Are you alive tonight? Praise God. I tell you, it's good to be in God's house. Amen. And I especially like to come to his house when he's at home. How about you? (laughs) I thank the Lord for the privilege to be here tonight to speak to you on this special topic of angels. We have others coming in. We'll wait just a moment as they come. And let me say, uh, it's been a privilege to be out and about today. The weather's been beautiful, hasn't it? Amen. I uh, thank the Lord for the warm afternoon. I hear some of the bikers talking about the fact that uh, it's been good to be out and ride the bikes today. I appreciate that. It's been cold here, folks. I'm from Virginia, but it's been cold. I was walking downtown the other evening uh, or the other morning early, and I saw a teenager with his pants pulled all the way up. It's cold. So uh, we appreciate the privilege of being here in this kind of weather this afternoon, and we appreciate your being here as well. Think about everybody's in. I appreciate uh, the privilege of being able to speak this message to you tonight. I I was glad when Brother uh, Andy asked me to come and speak, and uh, I thought to myself, Preaching after this man is sort of like calling a business meeting after the rapture. There's not much left to be said. Amen. But I'm going to do my best tonight. <laughs> and I appreciate your listening. If you have a piece of paper and a pencil handy, you'll do well to get that because we'll be, uh, if you'll listen in a hurry, I'll preach fast. Will you do that uh, with me? Amen. So, uh, Uh, Let us turn in the scripture as you're getting a piece of paper and a pencil. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 2. I want to read only one verse of scripture in your hearing and then go into the message tonight, please. In verse 2 of Hebrews, the Bible said, But be not forgetful to entertain strangers whereby some have entertained angels unaware. I said to a dear lady just this evening, it's been a privilege many times in my life to be able to talk to someone who meant more to me than I ever thought they ever would. Have you ever met anyone like that? I'm sure most all of us have. There's many times in my life that I can recount when I have had the privilege of being in the presence of someone who had either a warning or a message from God or some other encouragement for this preacher that means so much to me after all these years that I didn't think that much about at the particular time that it happened. But now it's become very real and very true in my life. How many of you can say I agree with you, preacher? That's happened to most all of us, hasn't it? I want to start the message this evening by asking the question, do you believe in angels? If you say no, then you're among company because there are many people who do not believe in angels today. Did you know that? 
Not only are they people around us, but they are people in this book that I hold before me that did not believe in angels. If you turn to the book of Acts chapter number 23 and verse number 8, if you don't turn there, at least jot this scripture down because you'll need to know it one day down the road, or up the road I should say. And uh, there are a group of peoples there when Paul was giving his defense before the Sanhedrin who railed against Paul, the apostle, and then we were given the reason that they were so staunch against this man of God. In, book, in uh, chapter 23 of the book of Acts, the Bible begins with verse 1 and said, Paul earnestly beholding uh, the council said, men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. What a testimony for a man of God to have. But listen to what happened. As they began to rail out against him and cause accusations to come against him, and he was there tested by uh, the leader of the council that day, and matter of fact, abused by him, the Bible said in verse number 7, and when he had said there arose, uh, decisions between the or decision dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection nor angels, and they also say there's nor spirit, neither spirit. There's no spirit. But the Pharisees confessed both, so Paul got an argument between the two, and he came out the better in the court that day because of the fact that the Sadducees did not believe in the angels there, and they witnessed that in Paul's presence. Now, if you say, yes, I do believe in angels, you're among a vast number. You say, why, preacher? Because a Gallup poll gives us the fact that there are at least 50% of all adults who live in America today that, asked the que- that were asked the question, and they said, yes, I do believe in angels. And then, not only that, but that Gallup poll was also directed towards teenagers, Now let me talk to you about this a minute, church. We say that teenagers are in trouble. They're bound for hell. They're a reckless group and all of that. Well, I want to correct some of us by saying that my grandchildren are not headed in that direction. Amen. And my great-grandchildren I'm working on, and I want them to serve God and live for Him. And I'm pleased to report to you this evening that for the most part, they're doing that. And the uh, Gallup poll gives us the statistics that 75% of all teenagers say they do believe in angels. How does that make us feel, folks? Us old folks. But they're ahead of us in that. Now, uh, if we include others in this that are riding the fence, that makes a percentage to the positive. And I thank God for that. But we still have work to do. Amen? Amen. You remember Carol Burnett, don't you? When I put my finger right there, it means say amen. Amen. (laughs) And saying amen to me is about like saying sick them to a bulldog. I'm liable to preach after a while if you say that much. Uh, 
angels were an important topic uh, a few years ago, more so than they are today, I think. Uh, Back in 1974, Billy Graham wrote a book on angels. They set the book to be released on January 1st of 1975, and by April, that book had sold one million copies in only four months. I have read that book. I have it in my library. Matter of fact, one of the first issue or uh, one of the first prints, printings of that book, and I appreciate that book a lot. I, like Billy Graham, have to confess to you tonight that I've never seen an angel, but I felt their presence, and I'll tell you more about that later on. Uh, Let's turn in the Bible now, if you will, to uh, uh, Revelation chapter 5 and verse 11. You be getting that scripture ready, and let me say a few other things concerning angels. Uh, You know, uh, I talked about teenagers. I wish they had took a survey on adolescent or, or smaller children. And the reason I say that is, I don't know many children today, including my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, who do not believe in angels. Uh, Pastor, that's amazing to me, that we learn not to believe. Amen? We learn not to believe, church. And so these children believe. Matter of fact, there was a young lady, uh, a young girl about five years of age, that lived in the Midwest with her mom, and they had been uh, having more than their share of thunderstorms and tornadoes. And this little girl had gotten to the point at the age of five that she was almost hysterically afraid of the nighttime. How many of you have ever been afraid of the night? I'm not talking to the men. I see the hands of the ladies. We wouldn't admit it if we were. Amen. <laughs> but uh, these, uh, this young lady, uh, or young girl, got afraid of the thunderstorms. And her mother sat down gently one evening and talked to her. And she said to her these words. She said, honey, the thunderstorms are not to be feared. She said, uh, let's look at it this way. Suppose that's the angels making up their bed. And after a few nights, there came some hard storms. And as the morning broke, the little girl got out of bed and came to the kitchen for breakfast. Her mom had just prepared. And she said to her, she said, Betty, how did you do last night? Oh, she said, Mom, I slept wonderful. She said, the angels making their beds didn't really bother me at all. However, she said, when they decided whether they couldn't cut the lights out or not, I did get worried about that. <laughs> so so they, uh, affect, it affects them much different. Many books have been written about Angel's Church, and uh, there's many that I have read, and I'm sure you have too. But I want to recommend one to you tonight. It's the one I hold in my hand. It has over 300 references to angels and many, many wonderful stories. 
some of which I'll share with you later in the service this evening. But this is a wonderful book on angels. If you've never done a study on it, I'd encourage you to do that sometime in the very near future because I believe it will not only help you as a Christian, but it'll increase your opportunity to help others. And I believe that's what God wants us to do. Amen. Amen. You, uh, you say, but uh, preacher, who are these beings? Well, that's just what they are. They're created beings created by the great creator who creates all things. Amen. Just like you and I, They are created, and they're created for a purpose. I've had people come to me and say, Preacher, I'm looking for my purpose. I don't know what God has in this world for me to do. And how can I know God's will? I get that question up and down the East Coast as I preach revival meetings all over the country. But my mother-in-law caused me to do an in-depth study back about 30 years ago, I guess. She came to me one evening and she said, Jim, can you tell me what on earth I can do for God and how can I know that it's God's will? And I did a study on that and preached a message that I preached in many churches up and down the seaboard, eastern seaboard, and it's been a blessing not only to me but to many other churches and people we have record of who were blessed in that message. We can know the will of God if we study His Word, church. And not only that, but if we'll study this topic of angels, I believe, and this is just to whet your appetite tonight, this message that I'll bring you part of is really a series of messages Uh, I'll not try to preach at all tonight, I promise you. Amen. The Bible tells us that we are to serve God or worship God and we're to serve God. Amen. That's what the angels do. They worship God and they serve God. Now, let me say to you that one of the greatest things, one of the greatest tools that I've enjoyed in the ministry in teaching and helping people as I preach to them across the country is reading and studying the Word of God. Pastor, I'm amazed at how many people don't pick up the book. It's so sad. There's, this is the direction book for life. Amen? And we wonder why we're in trouble today, church. Pardon me. If we'll read the direction book, we can get out of trouble. I uh, have some rental property in Virginia, and I went there one evening to a rental house and was talking to an elderly lady, a sweet lady. I go there and sometimes help her get things done around the house that she had needed done, and she's uh, been living there for 25 years in this rental house. And I walked in one evening, and the biggest surprise I found, uh, I, I couldn't hardly explain it, but... Uh, When I walked in, Granny was standing on a step stool over against the wall in the kitchen, and she had a rag rubbing the wall. Boy, she was washing furiously, and she was actually making things worse. I said, Granny, what in the world happened? She had a little lisp in her voice, and she said, Preacher, you know that little jigger on the top of your pressure cooker? (laughs) She said that thing got stopped up. (laughs) 
And she had turnip greens, not only on the wall, but she had them on the ceiling. And she was cleaning them off with a plain wet rag. And I thought to myself, that's a pretty good uh, demonstration of what happens to us in life if we don't read the manual. Amen? We can blow up after a while and cause a lot of people other than ourselves problems. If we'll get in the book of Psalms, Psalms will teach us how to worship God and how to praise Him. If you read three, uh, if you read five chapters in the book of Psalms, and most of them are small, short, you can read through the book in 30 days. And if you'll do that, it'll certainly teach us how to worship and perform or, and uh, praise God. If we'll read one chapter in the book of Proverbs every day, we can read through the book of Proverbs and 30 days as well, and it'll teach us how to walk and perform for God. How many of you'd like to know how to walk and perform for God? Amen. Boy, I appreciate those hands because that's the need in Christendom today, church, is that we learn how to walk and perform, to worship and praise God. Now, if we learn how to do these things, God will certainly bless us. But let us get back to angels because I said they're created beings just like we are, and we're all for the same purpose. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Isaiah chapter number 6. Isaiah chapter number 6 and verse number... One through three. And let me read something to you about angels. The Bible said, In the year King Uzziah died, also the Lord sitting, I saw also the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. And his train lifted the, or, uh, His train filled the temple, and above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Church, I've never found anything to bless my soul like I have praising and worshiping God. I was laying on the flat of my back uh, several years ago. I'd had uh, uh, some things go wrong physically, and I had gotten to a point that I just wasn't feeling well about myself. And when I uh, had a visit uh, one day that week, the young man came in, was one of my deacons in the church, And he said, Preacher, I came by to worship with you today. And when he came in and began to worship God and sing and praise the Lord, I found myself in a different state altogether. And after a while, I was better off than I thought I was. Have you ever been there? Thank the Lord. We all have. Yes, we've been there. The Bible teaches us how to worship and praise God just like the angels. If you will turn to Psalm number 147 in verse 1. And the Bible tells us there that if we'll praise God, Psalm 147 and verse 1. Let me read what that verse says. It says, Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto God, for it is pleasant and praise is comely. Thank the Lord. 
praise is coming. Now turn back to uh, Psalm 138 and uh, let me read three or four verses here for you. The Bible said, and I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward the holy temple and praise thy name for thy, listen to this church, for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name and the day when I cried, thou answered me and strengthened me and with strength they I was strengthened in my soul. Oh, I need strength in my soul. Don't you? You say, oh, but preacher, I'm concerned about this body. This physical body, one day, church, we're going to lay aside, but the soul is going to live on forever. And we need strength in our soul tonight. We need to be able to praise God and be lifted up in our spirit and in our soul, and then we can be happy in the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We need the strength of God. Now, if you will, turn back to the book of Revelation and verse 11 in chapter 5. The Bible said, I beheld and I heard the voice of angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. Does anybody here know how many that is? (laughs) That's a bunch, Pastor. You're right. That's a bunch. And then he said on top of that, now look at this figure, thousands of thousands. Are there angels? Or they're not? They're angels, aren't they? Oh, you say, but preacher, I know there's angels here uh, uh, talked about in this book in heaven and the book of Revelations and uh, Isaiah and other chapters uh, in God's word talk about angels in heaven. But preacher, how about angels on this earth? That's why it's hard for some people to believe, you might say. Turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter number 28 and verse number 11. The Bible here, of course, is talking about Jacob when he deceived his brother Esau and he had to go to another land to live and to find a wife. And the Bible said in verse 11, and he lighted upon a certain place and he tarried there all night because the sun was set and he took of the stones of that place and he put them uh, for his pillow and he laid down uh, in that place and he slept and he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on earth, and the top of it reached heaven, and behold, angels of God were ascending and descending. Did you hear what that said, church? What did it say? Ascending and descending. Amen. Now keep your ladder turned around. (laughs) Don't let your ladder get upside down. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying the Bible says there was angels on the earth. Amen. And they were coming up from the earth before they came down. That means they were already here. Are you awake? Amen. That means they were already here. And then, not only that, but the Bible said God was standing at the head of the ladder. So he wasn't asleep, was he? He knew what was going on. 
Amen. He knew what was going on. He had the angels on this earth that he might show Jacob what was taking place. And by the way, if you just do a little study on angels and Jacob, you'll get a long ways. Because Jacob had more encounters, I think, with, any, uh, with angels than any other man that I've read after. You say, why, preacher? Because he is about sorry as the rest of us. <laughs> Amen. Not only that, but he needed God's angels to help him through this life that he might be the man of God that God wanted him to be. How about you and me? Amen. God wants us to do a particular job for Him. He wants us to worship and praise Him, but He wants us to work for Him. You know one of the things that takes place in the work that we do for God, church? We have to love one another. Amen. That's what the Word of God tells us, that we're to love one another. I said to my wife just uh, yesterday evening, we were talking about this particular topic, and my wife said to me, she said, works hard, or love is hard work. Amen. It's hard work. But I love my dear wife so much that I'm willing to work hard for her. Should we not be more willing to work for God? Honey, would you stand, please? This is my beautiful wife. Would you give her a hand? Thank the Lord. She is an angel to me. I tease people sometimes and I say, I'm married to an angel. And they look at me and laugh and I say, she's always up in the air harping on something. And she never has an earthly thing to wear. So <laughs> she takes that joke in stride. It's wonderful. She's a wonderful wife and I appreciate her so much. God bless her, and I'll tell you more about her angelship, too, a little bit later on. There's a couple things that I need us to understand about angels. Be sure, if you have your pencil and piece of paper, to write these things down. Uh, Number one is that we're never to worship angels. We're only to worship God. Exactly right. Now, you say, preacher, I've... Bought angel figurines. There's things I've done in life that I feel like I'm sorry for. I shouldn't have never done those things. And I wish I hadn't because I feel like somewhere, somehow, I have actually failed God in worshiping angels. Well, don't feel so bad because one of the greatest men in this book, matter of fact, the man who laid his uh, head on the bosom of Jesus made that mistake. Turn with me to the book of of Revelation in chapter number 19. And the Bible said here, And after these things I heard, in verse 1, a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. A little bit of excitement going on there when you say so, church. A little more than I've found in the local church lately. (laughs) We need more of that excitement when you say that, church, in the church of God, because God is worthy of that praise. And then in verse 7, he said, let us be, be glad and rejoice 
and give honor unto him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. Now turn over with me, if you will. I don't know, you may have it on the same page. To verse number 9. And he said, He saith unto me, Right blessed are these which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are true sayings of God. In verse number 10, he said, And I fell down at his feet. He is excited, people. He fell down at his feet. He, he said, I fell down at his feet to worship him. And he said, see thou, do it not. I am thy fellow servant and thy brethren uh, that have testimony of Jesus worship God. Don't worship me, but worship God. Oh, you say, if I had happened to me, I'd have learned a lesson. Well, John didn't. Read on. In chapter 20, the angel comes and he talks to him about uh, the, the, the bondage of Satan and how he's going to be cast in uh, hell and uh, all of these things. In, verse, in chapter 21, he talks about seeing a new heaven, a new earth, and the holy city of Jerusalem come down uh, from heaven uh, and from God. And he said he talked about the tabernacle being with the men of God. And he said we're going to be his people and he's going to be our God and we'll be with him. And I'm getting to this point. John got all excited again. In verse number 8 of chapter number 22, you find that John said, And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. And he saith unto me, See thou, do it not. The prophets and them which uh, keep the saying of this book worship God. In other words, we all are to worship God. Amen. So that's clear. We need to write that down so that we don't forget and that we don't get tangled up. I know it's easy. Somebody said, oh, I I praise God for the angels. I do, but not above anything that belongs to God other than that. Because God is worthy and only God is worthy of our praise. Uh, There are three angels that I'd like for us to talk to or about this evening. But before we do that, let me tell you the other thing that we need to be sure that we're aware of. Not only should we not worship angels, but we're not to pray to angels. Did you know that? We're not to pray to angels. How do you know that, preacher? Because Jesus himself took. He taught us in Matthew's gospel, chapter number 6, verse number 9, he said you're to pray this way. And we mistakenly call that the Lord's Prayer, but it's not. It's a prayer that God prayed, so that, or that Jesus prayed, so that we might know how to pray, church. Amen? And the Bible says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I've been saying some pretty important things here, church. Amen. Amen. 
But Jesus gave us these things so that we would pray not to angels or to any other beings, but we would pray to God Almighty in whose name? In Je- Say that loud with me, church. In Jesus' name. You know why we do that? It doesn't do any good to mail a letter without putting a stamp on it. Do you know that? <laughs> You can write the letter and it can mean a lot. But if you don't put the stamp on it, it won't go anywhere, will it? And if we don't pray in Jesus' name, it won't get very far. We're to pray in the name of Jesus. Let me hurriedly talk to you about three different angels that I want to bring to your attention tonight. If you will, please turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 4 through 8 in that chapter there in First uh, Kings. Let me get my scriptures straight. I, uh, <clears throat> I handwrite all my notes. Been doing that for 30 some years. That's why I enjoy my wife so much. She goes over some of these things and tries to find out if I've made any mistakes. Sometimes she don't have to look very hard. Amen. She can type 82 words a minute. But I can't write that many. She told me one time about 30 years ago, she said, Honey, let me write your, let me type your notes out for you so you can read them from typewritten page. We tried that, but it didn't work. Sometimes I can't hardly read these notes. <laughs> Much less her read them. But I tell you, if God gives us the Word and we study the Word, that's all that's necessary. David said, I've hid this Word in mine heart that I might not sin against Thee, O Lord. And if we'll do that, we'll find that things will go much better for us. In Kings verse uh, chapter 19, verse uh, 4 through 8, we find a story there about Elijah, and Elijah was on Mount Carmel. He was, uh, he'd been on several mountains around Israel, and he had done a great work in a lot of different places. But this time, Elijah had performed a work that was outstanding. He had caused through prayer, matter of fact, 63-word prayer he prayed that day, and God sent fire down from heaven, church, and lapped up 12 barrels of water, burned the sacrifice, and proved that he was God in heaven before Elijah and the people that were present on the mountain that day with him. And when that took place, it made a certain lady awfully mad. When her husband came and told her what the situation was, she was so upset about this thing that she put out a decree to Elijah. She sent a message and said to him, said, I'm going to kill you this by this time tomorrow. And it scared Elijah so badly that he took off running. He went to the desert and he was still afraid, so he stopped there and left his servant behind. And he went on farther. And the Bible said he fell down under a juniper tree. And as he laid there, wore out and tired, he went off to sleep. And when he woke up, 
The Bible said in verse 5 of chapter 19, And as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. Now, if I were to name this angel, I would call him tonight the angel of strengthening. Amen. Why? Because he told Elijah to rise and eat. What gives you strength? My wife and I were talking to Brother Don this morning back here, and he was sharing with us about the uh, trip that he took up the Appalachian Mountains, and we were talking about some of the places that he went. And he was telling us one amazing thing, and that was how much food he ate on the way. When Brother Don got done telling me about how much food he had eaten on the way, I don't know how he made that trip. <laughs> Because, I mean, he ate some food. But it strengthened him. And that's what the angel of God did for Elijah. The Bible said that he touched him and he told him to get up and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake baking on coals. Boy, I like that kind of angel, don't you? He can cook. But the Bible said he had a, a cake baked for him. And then after he ate and drank, there was a cruise of water at his head. And after he drank, the Bible looked now with me down in verse number 7. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. Folks, we need help sometimes along the way. Because the journey gets to be pretty great. Amen? Elijah got strength from the angel of God because he needed strength in that hour. May I say to you tonight, church, that he'll give you the same strength that he gave Elijah. Amen. you believe that? Amen. Amen. In 1968, on a warm summer evening, I was in Alta Vista, right outside of Alta Vista, at that time, I had a little shop in my backyard, and I received a call from my sister and her husband, the one we just spent time with at their mountain home up in Carolina. And I said, uh, or he said to me, he said, Jim, uh, would it be all right if I come over to your shop and, and work on my car tonight? And I said, sure, I'd be glad for you too. And he came, and I was working on my car at the same time. And so as... We finished up working on what I was doing. I got in my car and started out to the service station to fill it up with gas. And I left him with a uh, 78 Oldsmobile. Let me get this straight. 78 Oldsmobile, four-door car, jacked up in the back end with a bumper jack. And when I pulled in to the station to get gas, Donald Adkins come running out and he said, Jim, you got to get back home. He said, there's been an accident at your shop. I jumped back in the car, hung the pump up, jumped back in the car and rushed back to my shop in Alta Vista. And when I got there, I found my sister down on her knees beside that Oldsmobile. And she was crying profusely and she was saying, oh God, help me. Jim, help me. And I ran and, and grabbed the jack that had fallen on the ground and put it under the bumper and jacked the car back up. And when I got it high enough, I heard Lyle say, Okay, okay. Now I grabbed him by the feet and pulled him out and laid him on the ground. He wasn't able to get up. 
he had his arm up above him, uh, his jaw, and it had choked him nearly to death. My sister fell back on the ground, and I looked at her poor knees. Her dress had come up when she was scuffling, trying to keep that car up. And the prints of the acorns were in her knees until they were bleeding. And she said, thank God, thank God. When Lyle got his breath, he began to tell me, that every time many would let off <clears throat> that bumper, it would cut his breath off and he couldn't breathe. He was that close to death. You say, what happened, preacher? They think, and I do too, that God sent an angel to help them. And she was able to lift a 1956 or 58 Oldsmobile four-door car that weighed over 4,000 pounds up off of my brother-in-law. We need angels that will help us along the way. You say, preacher, how does that pertain to me? I'm glad you ask. Because there's people in this life tonight, church, that need your help. Amen. You don't have to go very far until you can find somebody. You say, will they be in under an automobile? No, they'll be under a terrible load of pressure, though. And you can help lift that load off of them. And that's what angels are for. Do you want to be one? Amen. Amen. I want to be an angel, don't you? The second angel I want to talk to you about is not only an angel of strengthening, but an angel that's a guardian angel, meaning one who gives life or one who comes beside of and not only strengthens, but gives life and helps. Where is that angel found, preacher? Over in the book of Psalms, chapter number 91. Turn there with me, if you will, please. Chapter number 91, the book of Psalms. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What a wonderful place to be, church. Aren't you glad we have a refuge like that in the Lord? The Bible said... I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. But look down, if you will, to chapter, verse number 10. And there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come uh, nigh thee or nigh thy dwelling, for He shall give His angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. And they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. Do you know that's the same scripture that Satan used against the Lord Jesus in his testing, time of testing? If Satan knows that scripture, don't you think we should commit it to heart? Don't you think we ought to be able to keep that scripture close by so that we could use it, so that we could know that God has a guardian angel watching after us? Robert Strand wrote a story about a man who was in a plane in World War II. And he said they were about to drop their bomb on a target in Germany. When he was sitting in the seat focused straight ahead, watching for the target, when he said, I felt a hand upon my shoulder, and a voice spoke in my ear and said, go to the back of the plane. 
He said, I got up immediately out of my seat because fear filled my soul and my heart. And he said, I stayed back there for just a second or two and I heard the shots hitting the plane from anti-aircraft fire on the ground. And he said, I waited until I thought the attack was over with and when I got to that point, when it got to that point, I went back to sit down in my seat and when I looked down, there was holes all in my seat. I looked up and there were holes in the top of the plane. What happened? God appointed an angel. You can't tell him he didn't because he's told that story all his life. The Bible teaches us that God appoints angels to watch over us, to help us. And there's one group of angels that I'm particularly fond of. They're found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 18 and verse number 10. I won't turn there, but I want you to turn or either at least write it down. Because this tells us that God has appointed angels for little children. You see, on that occasion, Jesus picked up a child and brought it in the presence of those he was talking to. And he said, be careful about one of these little ones, that you offend him not. Oh, God, America's in trouble, church. How many have we killed? How many have we abused? God help us, because their angels are before the face of God continually taking record of what's taking place. These are angels. This is an angel story that's kind of scary, don't you think? But you say, preacher, what should we do about it? There's plenty we can do about it, amen? We can, we can do better than what we're doing now, for starters. The third angel I want to talk to you about is a guiding angel. <clears throat> I would hope none of us here tonight are like the man who I believe is probably my favorite story. And one of the reasons is because I get so much uh, enjoyment out of seeing what God can do. The second is it burdens me and hurts my heart because I've found myself in his position a few times. He's found in the book of Numbers, chapter number 22. His name is Balaam. If you study that story there, you'll find that he had problems obeying God. And he had a king that enticed him. And he got so far out of sorts that he got up one morning against God's will and got on his donkey and began to ride her down the road. And as she went, God intending to stop her. And by the way, folks, I believe he does that for us sometimes in life. Amen. And as he started down the road, she veered to the field and got out of the pathway. And he hit her and caused her to come back. My heart goes out to that little donkey because I've been to Israel. And I've seen men get on those little donkeys and they were so small that their feet drug the ground. And I thought, why would a man hit a beast of burden like that? And then they went on a ways further. And as they went further down the road, she veered over this way 
And she slapped him up against the side of a rock wall. And the Bible said she crushed his foot. Do you think it hurt her little ribs? And he hit her again. And then the next time, she, the angel of God moved and she went on down. But there was nowhere to go this time. She's in the middle and she can't go to the left or the right. You know what that little burden uh, bearer got, did? She got down underneath of him. And that time, he hit her with his staff. That's a brutal lick. And when he hit her with his staff, she turned around and began to talk to him. I got tickled at that part. Not because she talked to him, but because he answered her back. (laughs) She said, why have you done this to me? Why have you hit me these three times? Have I ever done anything to you? Have I ever treated you like this? And he said, nay. (laughs) He said, if I had a sword, I'd kill thee. You know what? I wish I'd have been that little donkey on that particular occasion. I'd have said, hey, the fellow dressed in white appears got one drawn. Why don't you ask him? Maybe he'll loan it to you. Because <laughs> the angel of God had a sword drawn and he was standing there. He was the one stopped her. Now, I should say with heads bowed and eyes closed, let me ask you if you've ever made any mistakes like that. Amen. Shorty's doing this. Bob taught you that, didn't he? (laughs) We've all made mistakes like that. I'm English bred. I've been fighting a temper all of my life. And that's why I grieve some at this story. Because I've made mistakes like that as well as all of you have. Amen. But that angel, that guiding angel, was an angel that God sent to keep these Uh, or that person in the right way. There's one other occasion where a guiding angel was sent. It's one of the most favorite scriptures in this book probably to a lot of churchgoers because it's found in the book of Acts. And it's talking about the apostle Peter. And that angel came that night when the apostle was chained between two guards. There was a guard set at the door. And the Bible said that when he came, when the angel of God came in, Peter would give up and go and sleep. How many of us have done that when we got in trouble? Give up and go and sleep. But the angel of God came in and shook him and woke him up, thrust him in the side, woke him up and said, up and get thee out of here. Put your sandals on. Gird yourself. We're going somewhere. Isn't it amazing that God, when He's calling the shots and we're obeying, great things are about to happen? Can't you just see Peter walking out that? And when they got to the gate, the Bible said it opened of its own accord. Mm, I like that part, don't you? (laughs) I have gates on the farm and I have to get out and go around and open them. But he said, the Bible said the gate opened on its own accord and they went through. And after a while, Peter found himself out in the street in a cold night, maybe like it's going to be here in Georgia or Florida tonight. And when he walked out there and came to himself, he couldn't hardly believe what had happened. But you know what? It happened because there were others caring for him. How many are you praying for? In this church tonight. 
Let me, by the way, stop here and commend you. This is one of the most loving churches I believe I've ever been in, Pastor. And I appreciate that. I've never, I've had people walk up to me and shake hands with me, brother, and I didn't know who they were from Adam's house cat. But I mean, they, they made me welcome in this place. And that's one of the reasons I stayed. <laughs> Amen. I appreciate that. We not only are to love one another, but we're to pray for each other. Amen, church? Somewhere, somebody is praying tonight for a loved one who's wandered away from the light. And faith reaches heaven, and God is aware, and forever is changed in one moment of prayer. Oh, there's power in prayer. Power to spare, and all that you'll ever need is waiting right there. A few words, a little child's faith, and it's goodbye despair. For there's power, so much power, yes, there's power in prayer. Don't ever forget to pray for people that you love. And for those even sometimes that we do not know in this life. Now, God give guidance to Peter. He gave guidance to Balaam. He loves all of us that much. He can direct you and he can give you guidance that you might give others guidance. You say, preacher, what do I need to give others guidance to? So many people today are reluctant to give advice or guidance to other people. Do you know that? Hmm? We're almost afraid to give others guidance. We need to forget about that, church. We need some holy boldness. Amen? We need to get to leading people to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not hard to tell how people how to get to heaven. Do you know that? Just tell them turn right and go straight. Amen? That's all you have to do. Tell them turn right and go straight. There's many different ways to tell people how to be saved. I had a man call me the other night and he said, Preacher, I've visited with you a lot, but you stay out of town a lot. And I need to know how to lead people to the Lord. And on the telephone, I gave him the directions. And it wasn't but a few nights till he called me back. And he said, Hey, brother, guess what happened? I said, What? He said, I had my first convert. <laughs> Glory to God. If we'll get out there and work at it, it'll work for us. And God can use us. Now, I've told you three great angel stories. But the greatest angel story I've ever heard is found in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 15. I'm about to close. The Bible teaches us there. And I've stood on the Judean hills. I've stood out there outside of Bethlehem and looked at those tents of those Medi shepherds. And I thought in my mind's eye about the night that the angel of God came to that wonderful place. And he began to tell those men there, those shepherds, if you will, that night about what was taking place in that little city up above them. And he said, an angel came upon them. I like that, don't you? Didn't say he came in their presence. Said he came upon them. Thank God. 
And he said, the angel came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Aren't you glad? To all people, not just a few, but thank God to all people. And the Bible said that they told that night about Jesus, the Savior of all mankind coming to the world. What a wonderful message from God himself. And he sent an angel that they might understand that message. What a beautiful message, the best angel story, the most precious angel story I've ever heard. But there's another I want to leave with you before we go tonight, that final journey one day we shall all take. In Luke chapter 16, In verse 22, the Bible tells us that the angel of God bore Lazarus into Abraham's bosom. Doc, I believe he's going to take me and you one of these days, don't you? Amen. I believe he's going to come after you and I. How many of you are looking for an angel to bear you home to God? Amen. That's going to happen one day. Oh, you say, preacher, I I know it's hard. When you start talking about heaven, it's hard to get a busload ready. (laughs) But it's going to happen one of these days. And so we need to be prepared for that. And we need to look forward with anticipation, great anticipation, to the fact that God is one day going to send an angel to take us home. I like that song that Kirk Talley wrote a few years ago. On that, for that little girl who died with cancer. And Kirk Talley wrote a song, beautiful song, serenaded by angels up to the throne of God. Boy, what a wonderful song. I want you to go back to our opening verse, our text, in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 2. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 2. And I want to read to you Not only the second verse, but the first one again. The Bible said, let brotherly love continue. Jesus, by the way, said that's how men shall know that you're my disciples. Amen. In verse 2 he said, but be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Our Father in heaven, we ask you this evening to bless these words that came from these stammering lips and this stuttering tongue. Oh God, I pray that you'll burn them upon our hearts and may we realize that not only do we need your angels, but we need to be your angels, Lord, because you can use us to take your message to other people. Help us to do that now. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake. Amen. While you remain seated with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, let me ask you an important question. Do you know Christ is your Savior tonight? You don't have to lift your hand. You don't have to speak audibly. But I just want to ask you that question. That's the most important question you'll ever be asked on the face of this earth. If that's true and you know him as your Savior, don't you want to take somebody with you to heaven? Let me ask you, 
Study this book. Learn to worship and praise. Learn to be led of God and to work for Him that you might lead others to the throne of grace and mercy. And I'm looking at a crowd tonight I know that's exceptional. You are the backbone of the church. I realize that. If not so, you wouldn't be here. But God bless you and help you to reach out to others and be a strengthening, encouraging angel to those around you and a life-saving angel for those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you for listening today, this evening. God bless you richly. Now, let me ask you, uh, I'm not going to say what you said. I, just, I might take a question or two, but I don't want all that criticism. All that. <laughs> all, <laughs> that's right. Is there any questions? Is there anything that I could help you with tonight? I think I've covered everything pretty thoroughly. I've given you God's Word. Amen? And so I appreciate you listening. If there's any questions, I'll be glad to help you if I can. If not, Brother Pastor, would you come and dismiss us? Thank you again so much for listening so graciously. God bless you. Stand up. Let's say.